Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and once again, we are on location with a voice the agriculture community will recognize. Dale Mino drops by for a visit as the Ohio AgNet originates its reports today from the Hancock County Fair. Also this morning, a recent tragedy in southwest Ohio has everyone thinking about school bus safety, including the Hancock County Sheriff's Office, who are sharing that message with a special exhibit at the fair. We'll learn more. Coach's Corner host John Marshall gives us a preview of all of the area games for week number three of the high school football season. And as we wrap up the summer, the Old Farmer's Almanac is out with their traditional forecast for the winter season. Do we really want to know? This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, September 1st, 2023. So among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, this is a story that I saw in the Newswire, and it's not going to get a whole lot of, uh, it's not going to grab a whole lot of headlines. You may not hear about this in the news unless you uh, dig real deep into the into the news stories, but it really should be something that we be, that we pay attention to here in Ohio. A federal judge yesterday temporarily blocked an Arkansas law which would force social media companies to verify the ages of their users and would also require that minors get parental consent to set up a social media account. Now, does this sound vaguely familiar? It should because Ohio just passed a very similar law. As a matter of fact, it may be exactly the same. It certainly has the same provisions in it. And you may remember on this program, we spoke with Lieutenant Governor John Husted, who championed the Parental Notification Act in Ohio. It was actually passed as a provision of the state budget. Now, according to the Washington Post, tech industry trade group NetChoice back in June sued to strike down the Arkansas law as unconstitutional arguing that it violated users' First Amendment rights and imposed onerous obligations on these digital platforms, these social media companies. In granting NetChoice's request for a preliminary injunction against the law, U.S. District Court Judge Timothy Brooks expressed deep reservations about the the constitutionality and the efficacy of the measure writing that the law is not targeted to address the harms it has identified and further research is necessary before the state may begin to construct a regulation that is narrowly tailored to address the harms that minors face due to prolonged use of certain social media. That is a quote. This law in Arkansas was supposed to take effect today, the 1st of September. Uh, It is the latest in a number of attempts at the state level to restrict or ban minors' access to social media over concerns that the platforms exacerbate mental health issues for younger users. Uh, The uh, report in the Post goes on to say that yesterday's ruling deals a setback to those efforts which are facing broad resistance from tech industry groups, including NetChoice and civil liberties advocates, who argue that many of these measures infringe on users' free speech rights Uh, In a statement, the Attorney General of the state of Arkansas, Tim Griffin, who is a Republican, uh, said that he was disappointed by the injunction. But beyond that, uh, it's I don't know what they're going to do about it. There's going to appeal, whether they're going to revise the law. 
um, it'll be something worth watching because, again, the Arkansas law was set to take effect today. Ohio's law is set to take effect after the first of the year. I think it's January 15th. So this is a story that, like I said, is not going to generate a whole lot of headlines in in Ohio, particularly because it's out of Arkansas, but it does impact us because we have the exact same law on the books in Ohio, and we'll see where that goes from here. Some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, noteworthy items here. Uh, speaking of online stuff, this is the viral video of the day. you got to check this out. You know, while we're here at the fair, we talk about all of the fun things that are going on um, that are just just for fun. We had the donkey races on the first night of the fair. Well, we had the uh, uh, the calf scramble, wasn't it? I think that was that was yesterday, right? So, just fun stuff for kids and adults in Auburn, Washington, at the Emerald Downs Racetrack. They do a T-Rex race. Uh, every year. I, I guess they do this every year. Um, <laughs> this is basically kids, and these are all kids 14 and under, that dress in those inflatable T-Rex costumes. You've seen people walking around. You see them at the Halloween parade all the time. There's T-Rex costumes. So basically, they take them out on the racetrack, <laughs> and these kids dressed in T-Rex costumes race 100 yards on the dirt track to see who can... <laughs> It's the T-Rex races. Um, But what was really cute in this year's T-Rex races, bringing up the rear of this year's race, were two four-year-old best friends. Alex Schooley and Sidney Petrie were dead last in the race, but they can be seen holding hands as they run down the, the racetrack in their oversized costumes and finally cross the finish line. Video of the race has been viewed thousands of times, and it is the funniest thing. If you haven't seen the T-Rex races, that's, <laughs> that's your viral video the, video of the day. You can go and, and check that out. It's actually kind of cool. Uh, so Labor Day weekend coming up, and it is the final beach weekend, final travel weekend for many people, the final beach weekend of the year. This I thought was kind of interesting. A new survey of 2,000 Americans finds that one in six beachgoers, well, first of all, 84% of those in the survey said that going to the beach is a necessity during the summer. Not just something they like to do, it is a necessity during the summer. And uh, they said uh, they would be willing to drive three hours for the perfect beach day. Now, I'm thinking in Northwest Ohio, Uh, to get it to any substantial beach. I mean, I suppose you can go to Lake Erie, but I mean, you know, a big, what we typically think of as the beach takes a little bit longer than that. But 84% of Americans say going to the beach is a necessity in the summer. One in six, one in six beachgoers say they still find sand in their clothes at least a week after their trip. (laughs) I just thought that was kind of (laughs) cute. One in six find sand a week later. Um, I don't know. I Every time I go to the beach, I find sand like a month later. I'm still finding sand in my, my stuff. Uh, let's see. This I thought was uh, kind of interesting because we're at back-to-school season, and 
uh, older kids uh, heading off to college. It is not just, according to a new study conducted by the University of Alabama, it is not just all of the late-night parties that will cause college kids to lose sleep. Researchers found that poor time management, especially in terms of organization, can significantly impact sleep quality for college students as well. Research focused on goal-setting, time management mechanics, and preference for organization. Uh, Dr. Adam Nolden of the University of, Al- uh, University of Alabama's College of Human Environmental Sciences said that uh, students often grapple with sleep issues tied to their lifestyle. Uh, juggling academic and social responsibilities can be tough. Stress and anxiety further affect sleep quality among students, sometimes leading to insomnia. Do we really need an academic research paper to figure this out? <laughs> I mean, this is kind of research from the file of duh, right? I mean, college students have poor sleep skills because they're not organized and they're balancing. I love the way they put this. Academic and social responsibilities. Is that what we call it now? <laughs> social responsibilities. And uh, lastly, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. I don't know what this means. I don't know the, what this says about the strength of marriages in this country, but I saw this on the uh, Newswire, and I'm just going to throw it out here. Uh, new study out of Germany finds that new fathers take about two years to be, happ- to be happy in their marriages again after the birth of a child. Let me repeat that. New fathers take about two years to be happy in their marriages again after the birth of a child. They surveyed 600 fathers and found that while first-time dads need two years to recover their happy relationship, that time period shortens for second-time dads to just two months. (laughs) So it takes two years to recover for first-time dads two months to recover the second time around. (laughs) Similar to first-time moms, first-time dads seem to experience a stronger relationship satisfaction decline, according to the authors of the study. Couples becoming parents for the first time should be prepared for these changes in their relationship. Make of that what you will, but I'm just throwing it out there. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started here. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Plenty of sunshine expected again today with a high around 80. Just a few clouds tonight, low in the upper 50s. The Finley Police Department says a motorcyclist led an officer on a pursuit when the officer tried to pull him over for speeding on South Main Street. Police say the 26-year-old refused to stop and led the officer on a high-speed pursuit south on Main Street to the edge of the city. The pursuit, which reached speeds in excess of 100 miles per hour at times, continued south on State Route 68 and then west on County Road 40, where the driver finally stopped. The driver was placed under arrest for failure to comply fleeing as well as OVI. It was also issued a citation for speeding and operating with license plates from another vehicle. A commission is getting another crack at redrawing Ohio House and Senate district maps.
The Ohio Redistricting Commission reconvenes on September 13th to redraw maps that were determined to be unconstitutional. A federal court ordered Ohio's 2022 legislative elections to proceed on a one-time basis under maps the Supreme Court found were gerrymandered in favor of Republicans. The existing Ohio House and Senate maps resulted in even larger GOP supermajorities being elected to both legislative bodies. I'm Clay Gordon. The Finley-Hancock County Community Foundation's Fun for All series of free community events continues in September. After the last few years of stress and uncertainty, fun is even more important than ever to improve quality of life. And improving the quality of life for all in Hancock County is the mission of the Community Foundation. Community Foundation President and CEO Brian Tree says some of the September events include a free play day at the Children's Museum on Saturday and Grandparents Day at 50 North on September 9th. See the full list of September Fun for All events in the story on our website. The Ohio State Highway Patrol is urging drivers to be safe over the Labor Day weekend, and troopers will be focusing enforcement efforts on removing impaired drivers from Ohio's roadways. During last year's Labor Day holiday weekend, there were five fatal crashes that killed five people. Four crashes and four of those fatalities involved alcohol and or drugs. Troopers also made more than 400 impaired driving arrests during last year's Labor Day weekend. Don't forget, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. So through the course of the morning, you probably hear a lot of commotion behind us. We are here at the uh, cattle uh, barn, uh, at the uh, Cattleman's Memorial uh, patio here is where we set up at the fair. And it is a big day for the... Uh, beef behind us here, Cattle Day. Uh, John Livingston is uh, Fair Board Director and uh, joins us here at our broadcast location. And uh, this is huge. I mean, this is, you know, the big day for these guys. Yes, today is a big day for the dairy feeders and the beef feeders. Um, they have the show in the Rec Arena. Please come out and join and watch these kids show all off their hard work. It's one right after another, pretty much all all day long, and uh, they have been out here. And we've talked about this with the kids uh, working with their projects and and so on, especially on show days. They were out here like from the moment we got here, just after five a.m. I mean, they uh, it is a very long day for these kids. Yes, a lot of these kids are up at five a.m. in the morning. They're washing their their steers, getting getting their projects ready to show. And today they also have showmanship in which it's a time for them to show their skills. And then today their animals will also be judged. So a lot of activity back here behind me uh, at the uh, Hancock County Fair. Uh, John Weather has been just absolutely fantastic. We were talking a little bit before we went on the air. Yesterday was jam-packed. It looks like the weather is going to be great today. And there is a a special deal uh, on admission today. Yes, today we have a special in by five for five dollars. Just go to the HancockFairgrounds.org website, click Get Tickets, get your QR code, and you can come in uh, by five for five. Pretty good deal, and uh, there is some great entertainment uh, today here at the fair as well. Yes, today, tonight at the grandstands, we have our KOI uh, drag racing. Again, if you want to beat the lines, go out to the website, get, get tickets, and you can get your tickets online and jump the line and go right in. Uh, yeah, because that is a separate admission, but you combine that with the uh, in by 5 that's a pretty good deal all the way around. It's a very good deal, and it's a very good entertainment. 
And uh, if the drag races are not your thing, uh, the Battle of the Barrels at 7 o'clock up here at the North Grandstand. Right, and the Battle of the Barrels is always well attended, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and that's just tonight. I mean, uh, the uh, fair continues. We were mentioning this is our last broadcast day, but the fair continues uh, through Labor Day Monday. So uh, over the weekend, weather's going to be a little bit warmer, but still a lot of things going on and uh, plenty of uh, reasons to come out and enjoy the fair. Yes, it is. And, and our motto still stands, go see the rest of the fairs and then come out and see the best. There you go. Uh, John Livingston, again, Fair Board Director with us uh, this morning. Thanks for dropping by. We appreciate spending a little bit of time with us. You're welcome, and thank you for coming to the fair, and enjoy the 2023 Hancock County Fair. So here is a name and a voice that uh, agriculture folks will certainly recognize. Dale Mino is with us here, uh, the Ohio Agnet, obviously. Uh, who will be originating their reports from the Hancock County Fair today. And in case you don't recognize the name, as soon as he opens his mouth, you'll recognize, <laughs> you recognize Dale. Thanks very much for dropping by and taking some time. And welcome to the Hancock County Fair. Oh, well, glad to always be back to the Hancock County Fair. I was just asking Mike, it's like, okay, the pavilion, the first year I remember talking about it was when they had it laid out in stakes in the ground. And that's where you are here by the cattle barn. I'm like, yep. this has got to be close to Raiders ice cream because I'm a regular <laughs> there if I have been for seasons. And yeah, if you talk to them real nice, they got a four gallon take home bucket. So some of the adventures of fair you learn and know when and where to bring that. How many years have you been doing this to learn? I've all been of those broadcasting secrets? since '85. Wow! But I worked in so. sales on the ag side for Ed Johnson. I mm -hmm. went to college with his son Bart, and he's like, "Yeah, come on over, see what we're doing. You might want to check it out." Well. Yeah. I had an internship with three chemical companies, and I was pretty certain I was going into chemical sales, but I really liked the idea of what it sounded like, and it's fun. You know, I taught a sales class for a while, and it, to me, it's like people think they know where they are, mm -hmm. but sometimes they know where they want to be. Well, if they know both, the sales guy, if you got the right product, ought to be able to help them yeah. get from where they are to where they want to be. But some don't know the one answer or the other, and that's the tricky part is helping somebody agree it could be better yeah. And are you willing to make some adjustments? So that's fun. How many fairs do you get to a year? I mean, I know you don't do all 80. 30 is too many. 30 is too many? Yeah, we okay. found that out years ago because it, it means you miss every uh, field day and any other event that pops up that has significance you can't do. So we narrowed it down to try to make sure that the people who had the fair last year get the first ride of refusal for the next year's date. And mm -hmm. if we can keep that in the mid-20s, it makes it pretty flexible because even if we have to switch a day of the fair, but we can still get there because if something could be, if, if big ODA announcement comes out, we ought to try to be there. But right. man, if you're booked at a fair, now staff's a little bigger, so you can obviously send people and get pictures and collect audio. But yeah, yeah we try to keep it in that mid-20 range. And uh, yeah, because there are a lot of other uh, things that you go to events and and so on. Uh, well, for some the people think we community. go to all of them, and it's like you'd have to go to three a day for the biggest chunk from July into <laughs> in the middle of August to be able to get that done. And that's just a lot of driving. Of all of the fairs that that you go to, I'm sure that there are some things that are the same. There are some things that are unique. Um, what are some of the, the well, some which, of the how different things. are they from one county to the next? I mean, well, I guess that's the question. Well, they're all exactly the same, and they support young people. It's a mm -hmm. great place for community. People come home from college. People come home from work and, and moved out of state to be there for the county fair because it's when you can see the most people mm -hmm. and have an impact. 
you know, 4-H and FFA programs all do things at the county fair that may get started to kick off this year and be tweaked two or three times, but it becomes a, a, something that they can continue. Now, if you're talking about what at each fair is unique, the Dart County Fair has five midways. So if somebody says, I'll meet you five. on the midway, five midways. Wow. To the best of my knowledge, outside of those that have large camping areas, mm -hmm. it is the largest fairgrounds in the state that's actually occupied with food vendors and rides and so on. And, of course, they're the week after Bowling Green, so they have a big tractor pull. Mm -hmm. Ashtabula, to the best of my knowledge, is still the only fair that has a frog jumping contest as <laughs> one of the open events you can enter. So there's just things like that. And you start, you know, there's always good food. Now, some have different things than others, but, mm -hmm. and, of course, some of the local favorites. There aren't nearly as many Grange booths at fairs, but, boy, right. talking about a day, get in on, you know, chicken and noodle day or meatloaf day. I mean, it was a meal each day kind of thing, not just <laughs> we do yeah. burgers and whatever. So. Well, one of the things that I, I think is really cool about the Hancock County Fair, and I don't know if we've mentioned it this year. I know we've talked about it in the past, are the number of school-based uh it Great has, fundraisers. I mean, Van Lube uh, music boosters. You've got the Corey Rawson uh, boosters and Macomb, Van Buren. They all have uh, their own uh, spots. And I think that's one of the things that I don't know that I've seen that at a whole lot of other fairs. So. I don't. I guess I don't know, eat enough at fairs to know because generally my theory is I don't eat at county fairs because it makes me too sleepy to drive home. You figure today driving home into uh, 80 degrees. Well, that's what I was going to. Like, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I was so, going to ask how many tenderloins do you have uh, during the course of fair it, season? It, so it's been well, I had one, but it wasn't at a fair. It was a field day yesterday <laughs> or day before yesterday. It wasn't that far from home, so I was willing to risk. So no big uh, elephant ear. No, no. Uh, you know, now when my wife and I go to the fair sometimes, she's all about Let, well, let's have this and let's have the other. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Now, the one I find interesting is some of the fairs, when you say, what's your favorite place to eat? And they say, the Chinese place. And I'm like, yeah, really? well, that's, I, I was, was going to say. I don't know how many fairs have a Chinese you place. You talk about the Hancock County Fair, unique to the Hancock County Fair, B-Trans. Go get the egg rolls. Uh, and, yeah, that's, that's a, that's just, a must just have. Just a little way down, yep, kind of across little, from Grandstand. Yeah, exactly. Because I've heard other people mention that yep. over the years. You, you'll, you'll find, just look for the line. Yep. It's like okay. a mile long. So, um, so what is the... It, what are the big headlines? What are people talking about agriculture uh, community this year? Well, we can still try to figure out the markets, but that's an annual ongoing experience. Yeah, that's and, it. And of yeah, course, it's every this time year. of the year, they're directly related to Mother Nature and what is or isn't. Right. And uh, this is one of the years of the haves and have-nots. And quite frankly, Ohio has some rain mm -hmm. when they needed it, though there's still some parts that would, would argue. But the Western Corn Belt and some other states are struggling for moisture with the amount of heat they're getting. So this could be one of the years that we turn out with the kind of yield that you hope to produce yeah and some other states don't and therefore the market rewards you and with that market reward farmers are creatures of creativity and they'll find something new to next year is it a new fungicide is it a new microbial they're going to put in to protect that plant from the minute the seed hits the ground all the way through a portion of life all all of that gets really interesting when you've got dollars to invest that can show a return on your investment you surely want to try that on a year that you've got some money that came in from last year's. Mm -hmm. It's when you barely yep. break even, you say, how can I take that risk when right. I don't know the certainty of it yet? Even though the research and data, well, it says it works, but we all, you know, say your car, you're supposed to get 30 miles a gallon and you drive it 10 <laughs> times and it never breaks 26. That's you, really you wonder. That's <laughs> really interesting. Uh, so what I hear you saying is some of the real interesting headlines come out of this growing season will actually uh, come up next 
uh, next year. Yeah, I mean, some of the benefits of a good price this fall and, yeah. and have gotten a crop in, even though it went in at, at variable times, it mm-hmm. all seemed to get decent health, has a decent stand number, and now here in the late in the season, when rain makes the grain, August 24th, a good chunk of the state had between two and four inches of rain that came at a reasonable rate, and the crop was able to use, and yeah. we're going to talk about that. I'm going to guess most harvest-related events this fall, we'll talk about the August 24th rain and what it did for Ohio. Again, Dale Mino from the Ohio AgNet is with us this morning, going to be spending the day at the Hancock County Fair, originating their reports. And, Dale, thanks very much for dropping by, spending some time. We appreciate it. Chris, thanks for the sunny spot and a nice place to sit. Smell that. That would probably be a ribeye on the grill. Yep, absolutely. You know, for all of the people that we talk about who are out here at the fair and spend so much time at the fair, uh, we have to mention the folks at the Hancock County Sheriff's Office who are uh, charged with keeping everybody safe, keeping everything under control. Uh, Captain Mark Price, Deputy Matt Crouch are with us here from the uh, Hancock County Sheriff's Office. And you guys are out here like round the clock, aren't you? I mean, you're pretty much here 24 seven. Well, I mean, not you personally, but. No, we do have uh, deputies on the grounds. Uh, we start usually Tuesday, uh, just before the opening ceremony, and we run into Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. So it is a, uh, you're, you're out here all uh, through the fair, literally all through the uh, fair, and generally, we've been pretty lucky, not a whole lot of, uh, of incidents. No, we are pretty fortunate. It's a safe community. We're fortunate to have that, and also the fair board. Uh, they have some good rules and regulations in place, and that's uh, definitely assist us and the special deputy organization that do the security for the fairgrounds. Now, in addition to keeping everybody safe, you have uh, you're always out here. You have a number of things uh, on display, information, and so on, and of course, donuts with the explorers. So that's very popular. Yes, we do. And Deputy Crouch is here. He's one of our advisors for our Explorer Post. And also, he was the head as far as our bus exhibit that we have down there. So I'll let Deputy Crouch explain a little bit about that. Absolutely, because that's what we really, that's one of the first things you will notice uh, when you get to the uh, the north end of the fairgrounds here. And uh, the school bus safety display, as we were mentioning, everybody is uh, very cognizant of school bus safety this back-to-school season uh, because of the unfortunate uh, tragedy that happened in southeast Ohio uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, obviously, this was planned before that, right? But if there's anything that good can come of that, uh, it's a reminder that this is something we do have to take seriously. That's, that's correct. Uh, continue the, the awareness of bus safety and educating the public of reminding them, you know, always come to a complete stop when you see the reds. If they see the yellows uh, activated and you're approaching the bus, be prepared to stop. Um, and we want to provide that information for the for the public and also for the kids riding the bus as well. We have some information within our tent uh, that the kids can pick up and read through with their with their parents on what to do on the bus. Yeah. Uh, for example, what are some of the safety reminders that you are here to remind those kids uh, specifically? Listen to your bus driver. Um, I actually had a couple uh, bus drivers from the city of Finley come out and just see the bus, and uh, they wanted they asked that same question. So, what are we providing? Uh, providing them, hey, you know, always be quiet at the railroad tracks and always listen to your bus driver and the rules of the bus. Now, the bus itself that you have, this is like the world's smallest school bus. Uh, where did this come from? 
this actually came originally came from the Van Buren School District. So really? basically, it was retired from their fleet. Okay. Uh, I was aware since I'm the school resource officer there. Uh -huh. I was aware that they uh, um, retired it and was put out at Dick's Towing. And uh, okay. at that time, that's where the idea started to come in play. Um, it originally came from my uh, three-year-old at the time, now five-year-old, that we went to the Children's Museum and walked around, and he's like, Dad, okay. where's the bus? <laughs> so after a couple years, and we talked about the theme, we usually get together as uh, the Sheriff's Office to figure out what we're going to provide as awareness-wise. I uh, talked to Captain Price, and we came up with a good idea of going out to the Dicks and see if they can do it for us. Okay, so here's the question that I have. How do you get it out here? <laughs> well, it came on a flatbed truck. Okay. So, right. uh, seeing the comments online on social media <laughs> saying, well, that's where it was going. Okay. So, uh, now they understand and a lot of people came out just because they did see it on the back of yeah. the truck. But it was a project. And I give all the credit to all the Stearns companies and, and the workers out there. They've, they put this thing together within four to five weeks wow. um, from the idea. So... Uh, we've had a lot of work on it uh, on their part and a lot of uh, donations from uh, Cardinal uh, Bus out of Lima okay. gave us some donation for that as well, um, the seat and the stop sign. Because um, I got to think that that's, uh, that's a huge project to take a full-size bus and compress it down to what we have here at the fair. Yes, that, that, is, that is a big project. Um, but the main goal is, is the kids' reactions and... Uh, not just providing the bus safety, but the kids' reactions. And as soon as we got it out here, and not just the kids, but the adults going through it as well, uh, seeing the smile on faces. And I, I made an example before we went on the air about uh, preschool coming through yesterday, and all of them piled on. All 16 kids <laughs> got on the bus when we were playing with all the controls. Now, that may actually be a record for a bus that size. Right. So we should, you, know, you remember, I don't, you may not remember uh, decades ago with stuffing all of those people in a Volkswagen Beetle. Uh, you could do that with that size bus there that's anyway uh it is really cool and again uh just to emphasize school bus safety is top of everyone's mind this back to school season and uh again uh captain mark price deputy mount Cr matt crouch with us uh, this morning uh keep it us safe here on the uh, hancock county fairgrounds too thanks very much for dropping by both of you we appreciate it appreciate it. thank you thank you hey jennifer little is here from the uh, hancock county osu extension and uh you guys have been busy over the uh, past uh, several days lots of programming and stuff uh, over in uh, your area, the fairgrounds. Yes, we have things going on in the youth pavilion okay. every day. We've got, of course, there are all the booths there, 4-H booths. You can come celebrate all the things that the kids are doing. Right, and I should interject that that's another one of those newer buildings. So if you haven't been in the uh, uh, the new building there, boy, that's a really nice uh, facility there. It is very nice, and we are, of course, located right across a lot of the food. So lots of people stop and get their lunch, <laughs> pop in our building. We got some nice big fans it's keeping things It's always cool. about the food. <laughs> uh, so speaking of which, uh, you have some programming still to come uh, today and over the weekend, right? Yes. Um, every day during the fair, we have been. I've been doing family fun with FCS, kind of highlighting some of the areas of, of my programming, including food, nutrition, um, healthy finances, healthy relationships. So we actually today are doing a program called um, 
good choices make good sense, talking to kids about wants versus needs, trying to get them thinking about their financial future, even at a young age, it's a good idea. Yeah. And of course, we're always got some giveaways and fun things for the kids to take home too. And then this afternoon, um, Lauren and um, Edie, our 4-H team, they've been exploring the 4-Hs. So today they are going to be featuring hands, service, giving back, and they're going to be making blessing bags to give out to local first responders, teachers, those who are serving our community and helping kids to think about all those people that give and make their lives better. So that is all happening today. And then over the weekend, real quickly, some of the highlights from the weekend programming. Yes, um, at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning, I will be in the Grange Building. They've had some wonderful programs going on in the Grange Building all week. And I'm going to be doing um, Food Preservation 101, just um, giving people a taste, uh, not a literal taste, but um, giving people an idea about what it takes to um, do food preservation, specifically canning. We have a lot of people that have gardens, bountiful harvests, and wondering what to do with all that produce. And so we've got some ideas for them. So that'll be 11 o'clock in the Grange building. And then at 1 o'clock back in the youth pavilion, um, Lauren's going to be doing um, pedal power for health. And that is going to be kids making homemade smoothies using um, our blender bikes. Yeah. And that was a great hit last year. So we decided to bring it back. We had about 100 kids or so who participate last year. So we decided we wanted to bring that back. So that's Saturday at 1 in the youth pavilion. Then on Sunday, we've got the Clover Bud graduation. So those youngsters who are just finishing up their kind of exploration year, um, learning about 4-H that aren't old enough to take regular projects. We're going to be doing a graduation ceremony for them. And that is at 2 o'clock in the old Millstream Center. And that is a really a special time. The kids actually get you know, little mortarboards and little certificates, and it's a great way to kind of get them excited about years ahead in 4-H. Very cool. So make sure that while you're here at the fair, uh, you check out all of those uh, special programs, uh, all of that uh, information, some really good stuff uh, for people to know, uh, practical advice and practical things, which is what Extension is all about. Yes, we are here to <clears throat> improve the lives of Ohioans. You know, we want to make sure that all of the great information through Ohio State is um, given to help people improve their own lives and making you know crops and gardens better helping youth become young responsible um, future adults and then of course improving the lives of our families and homes with um, healthy people, healthy finances, and healthy relationships. And as we've mentioned, uh, we think of uh, the extension service as uh, sort of ag-related, but as folks can tell from the uh, programming that you're talking about, this applies to everybody. Oh, yes. We've got, and I was going to say, as the school year kicks off, we'll be doing a lot of things in the schools. We've got some stuff related to STEM technology. We also have got, of course, our financial our, our Real Money, Real World, our financial literacy program that will be kicking off again, as well as some things even with food and nutrition in the school. So, yeah, we're excited about working with people of all ages and really helping to showcase um, some of the things that we, resources that we have to help folks. Hancock County OSU Extension Educator Jennifer Little with us this morning. Jennifer, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Enjoy the rest of the fair. If you are headed to the high school football games tonight, we're going to be right around 77 degrees or so at kickoff. Uh, we'll be down to around 70 by halftime and mid to upper 60s by the end of the game. So pretty nice weather for week number three. The Trojans 
will open conference play uh, in their inaugural season as a member of the Northern Lakes League tonight. Coach's Corner host John Marshall gives us a preview of all of the area games for week three of the high school football season. I'm John Marshall with this high school football preview. A couple of non-conference games for Blanchard Valley Conference teams tonight. Columbus Beechcroft faces Macomb. Beechcroft 0-2, Macomb at 2-0. 2-0 Lipsick goes to Pandora Gilboa. The Rockets are at 1-1. In BBC play tonight, it's 0-2 Elmwood facing 2-0 Riverdale. And the Van Buren Black Knights at 0-2 meet up with Arcadia. The Redskins at 1-1. On 100.5 WKXA tonight, it will be Liberty Benton and Arlington squaring off in a BBC matchup. Both teams at 1-1 one one on the season. Pre-game for that one at 6.35 on 100.5 WKXA and WKXA.com. Finley High School opens Northern Lakes League play for the first time tonight as they try to get over 500 with a 1-1 one one record through two weeks. They travel to Sylvania to take on 2-0 Southview. It's been a while since the Trojans and the Cougars matched up, but Finley coach Stefan Adams has a healthy respect for Southview. Historically, they're a really good program. Um, done some things, but won some, state, won some state championships, so there's some championship pedigree there. No matter what and who they face, they're a the good football team that we saw on film. They have some, some weapons that we need to be on high alert about. Number one, Lamb, um, he's a threat. They're skilled guys, 13, the big receiver they have that played quarterback for him last year. They just have some guys, kind of skill-wise, that can go out and make some plays, so we got to be on point schematically what we're supposed to be doing and fundamentally sound. You can hear that game on 1330 WF. WFIN.com and 95.5 FM tonight with pregame starting at 6.30. Elsewhere in the NLL, it's Perrysburg at 2-0 against 1-1 Ross. 1-1 Anthony Wayne is at Bowling Green, a 2-0 team. A matchup of 0-2 teams with Sylvania Northview and Napoleon. And it's 0-2 Whitmer at Clay, a 2-0 start for the Eagles. And in non-conference action, Springfield goes to start. In the Western Buckeye League, over on 106.3 The Fox, it's Wapakoneta and Ottawa Glandorf in a pair of 0-2 teams meeting up. Elsewhere in the WBL, it's 0-2 Bath at 0-2 Shawnee. 500 Salina is at Van Wert, a 2-0 team. 2-0 Defiance is at St. Mary's, who is winless this season. And Elida at 2-0 goes to Kenton, a 1-1 squad. Other games of interest around the area, Northwest Central Conference, Harden Northern at 1-1, visits 0-2 Corey Rawson, 1-1 North Baltimore, is at Elgin, a 2-0 team. In the Northern 10, it's a non-conference game for Cary tonight as they face Lima Central Catholic. It's still non-conference action in the Northwest Conference as 1-1 Ada is at Buckeye Central, 2-0 Bluffton visits 2-0 Ayersville, and Columbus Grove at 1-1 is at Patrick Henry tonight. Patrick Henry is sitting at 2-0. Independent Van Lu is idle this week. Once again, our broadcast games on 100.5 WKXA, it's Liberty Benton and Arlington. On 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM, it's Findlay at Sylvania Southview. And Wapakoneta visits Ottawa Glandorf, that on 106.3 The Fox. For Good Mornings, I'm John Marshall, WFIN Sports. And, of course, you can follow all of the action in real time on the WFIN scoreboard page, powered by ScoreStream and presented by Owens Community College. Go to WFIN.com slash scoreboard. We also have the link up at our webpage at goodmornings.net. And tonight, it's the Trojans, Finley Trojans, and uh, Southview in the first Northern Lakes League conference game in Trojans history tonight. 
And uh, our coverage begins with tonight in high school football at 6.10, right after the 6 o'clock news, right here on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. We have an animal story in honor of the Hancock County Fair. Our animal story this morning, 42 reindeer wandered from Norway into Russia, and now Russia is asking for financial compensation. (laughs) Russia wants up to $4.4 million from Norway uh, to pay for the grass that the animals ate from one of their national parks. I've got the name of the national park, but I can't pronounce it. It's obviously in Russian. But uh, they want $4.4 million to compensate for the grass that the reindeer grazed on. That number, they say, was calculated based on the number of days the reindeer were loose in the national park. Uh, Norway, for their part, is now repairing a four-mile fence to help prevent the reindeer from straying into Russia in the future. Uh, The fence is set to be completed by October 1st. No word on whether Norway will, in fact, uh, reimburse Russia for the... (laughs) Wandering reindeer from Norway into Russia. (laughs) I don't know. Russia wanting uh, compensation. It strikes me that ticking off Santa Claus is probably not a good thing. I mean, Christmas is coming up. You don't want to find coal in in your stocking. (laughs) Elsewhere in the broken news, San Diego police say a woman allegedly tried to try, uh, let's try that again, allegedly tried to hire someone to kill her millionaire husband. Titania Remley was arrested at a Starbucks earlier this month. Authorities say she was planning to take out her husband, Mark Remley. Court documents show the couple is currently going through a divorce, which is hard to imagine. I mean, it seems like such a stable relationship there right <laughs> no no indications the, uh, of trouble in the relationship uh, Titania says Mark threatened her uh, she also says that she is unable to maintain her current lifestyle on a budget of merely $12,000 a month which is much less than the $50,000 a month she's used to spending uh-huh. <laughs> man Lifestyles of the rich and $50,000 a month. That's just hard to believe. Uh, generally, it is not funny when people die. We have sort of an unwritten rule in the broken news about fatalities and not using fatal stories in the broken news. But sometimes the circumstances are just so unusual that it is worth a mention. A 28-year-old man has tragically died after laying down under a delivery truck in Miramar, California. He laid down under the delivery truck. San Diego police say the man had been drinking and got under the truck. Uh, He was then run over when the truck took off. Who couldn't have seen this happening? I mean, even if you've been drinking, did you... Not think that was going to be a problem to lay down underneath the truck. 
Anyway, narrowing the gene pool, I guess. A unique solution. This is really creative. A unique solution for long-distance relationships. If you are a couple in a long-distance relationship yearning for intimacy, uh, the Zhangzhou Vocational Institute of Mechatronic Technology in China has invented a remote kissing device, which, de <laughs> which deploys silicone lips to faithfully mimic the sensations of a kiss, encompassing pressure, movement, and even temperature. Through a synchronized smartphone app, users can send and receive these technologically transmitted kisses. The brain behind the invention, one Zhang Zhongli, shared, his inspiration, shared that his inspiration stemmed from a personal long-distance relationship while he was away at university, according to the Global Times of China. That's... Now we do have an app for everything. Man, isn't that romantic? Huh? In other broken news items here, who knew that a simple game of volleyball could serve up some serious trouble? Police in Milford, Massachusetts have uncovered what was thought to be a friendly gathering of volleyball enthusiasts only to reveal a full-fledged gambling ring. Photos obtained from the scene show cash and cards scattered like confetti on a picnic table alongside a secret concession stand um, <laughs> with alcohol. It's not your typical park concession stand. Um, Deputy Chief Milford, Massachusetts Police, Robbie Tusino, said there's uh, better ways to make money. With two arrests uh, and a whopping $10,000 seizure... It seems the party was way out of hand. It said neighbors even lamented the traffic jams caused by the event. So <laughs> the volley of events cracked open by a confidential informant. Uh, the first suspects will be in court today. A volleyball, volleyball game fronting for a gambling ring. That's a new one. And finally, in the broken news this morning... A Nebraska man was pulled over by police earlier this week for driving with a bull in his car. A fully grown bull. Now, if you've been out here to the fair, you see some of these bulls. That's pretty big to be in a car. According to, according to the Norfolk, Nebraska Police Division, responded to a call about a bull riding shotgun with a man on Interstate 275 eastbound at around 10 a.m. on Wednesday. Uh, the man, identified as Lee Meyer, was driving with the bull named Howdy Doody, by the way. The bull's name is Howdy Doody. Authorities performed a routine traffic stop and saw, saw uh, a yellow barrier on the side of the car to keep the bull inside. The officers, according to Police Captain Chad Riemann, officers received a car referencing a vehicle driving into town that had a cow in it. That's not a call you expect to get when you're <laughs> in a police dispatch. Uh, there's a cow with a car inside. A, uh, officers thought it was going to be a calf, something small, something that would actually fit inside a vehicle, but no, it was a full-grown bull. The, <laughs> the officer 
uh, noted that there were some traffic violations that were observed in this particular situation. <laughs> I love the way they put that. Some traffic violations were occurring. Uh, the officer uh, wrote some warnings uh, for what were citable issues. The officer just wrote some warnings and chose just to ask the man to take the animal back home and leave the city. Just just go home. Just just go home. That's all we there that's all we ask. Take howdy duty and go home. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report an update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. You know, it's interesting. You'll see it around the fairgrounds uh, here. And other people look at this as an opportunity to get kids uh, off their screens, get them out to the fair and off their screens. Well, it's not just kids. The average American senior spends about 300 hours a year on social media. This is according to a new survey of 2,000 adults aged 65 and older. 300 hours a year, so basically an hour a day. 24% spend more than an hour a day scrolling. Seniors tend to spend the most time on Facebook. Uh, YouTube, Instagram are the second and third most popular social media sites for seniors, but Facebook reigns supreme. So why are older Americans spending so much time on social media? 54% say they use it just to kill time. 39% say they have made new friends online. The reason, one of the reasons why this is concerning is that scams and disinformation are common pitfalls, especially for seniors. 34% of those in the poll say that they have been misled by misinformation. Um, and 33%, that is one in three, say they have been victims of scams on social media. So we always have to watch for that. Something kind of interesting there uh, about it. it's not just kids on uh, social media. So given that Labor Day weekend traditionally marks the end of the summer season, naturally, we now begin to focus our attention on what is to come. And the Old Farmer's Almanac is out with their long-range forecast for the coming winter. Sarah Peralt is senior editor of the Old Farmer's Almanac, and earlier this week I spoke to her about the 2024 edition of the Almanac, the 232nd edition, which is out now. That's right. It's our 232nd consecutive edition. We have never missed a year. Pretty amazing stuff. Uh, Now, I think most people probably do this. You get your hands on the latest edition and you turn right to the weather section. And I have to be honest, this is not what I wanted to see. A cold and snowy winter is coming. 
So you don't like a traditional winter where you can ski and ice skate and drink hot <laughs> cocoa by the fire? Well, I'll tell you what. I, I am one of those... Uh, that I love a white Christmas. You know, I love to have a white Christmas snow on the ground and, and all of that, all courier and Ives, and then it can all go away. <laughs> right after yeah, Christmas. I'm in the same boat as you. Yeah. <laughs> and I live in New England, and that's not the place to be if you like that kind of weather either. You know, what's really interesting uh, is that uh, a lot of times here in Northwest Ohio, we kind of are, are on that line uh, right between different zones, and the forecast can be very different a little bit to our north and a little bit to our south. Um, but this forecast is for a cold and snowy winter for darn near all of the country. That's right. There's there's like no leeway. So it's most, I would say, 80% of the country is expecting a cold and snowy winter. The exceptions being uh, the Pacific Northwest are going to have a cold, dry. Uh, so the, uh, southern, actually most of California is going to have cool, wet. And uh, Texas, Florida, parts of the deep south are going to have either mild and wet or mild and dry. So I know you've heard this before. Meteorologists often will dismiss the almanac forecast saying there's no scientific method for predicting the weather that far in advance. But you don't just guess at this. Uh, kind of take us through the process of, of making these forecasts and what goes into it. Oh, sure. And we do work with a meteorologist. So I find it funny that the meteorologists are making fun because we're working with one of them. Um, but they're using basically the same formula that was devised in 1792 when the first one came out, which is based on climatology, which is climate trends, uh, meteorology, which is what's happening in the atmosphere, and solar science, which is the study of sunspots. But certainly over the years, we've been able to enhance that formula because we've got state-of-the-art technology. So we're building on the old, which if it ain't broke, don't fix it. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with it, but we're able to enhance it and get a better idea of what's coming. And of course, uh, many people take these uh, forecasts very seriously to know uh, when and what to plant and where and, and things like that, which was the original purpose of the forecast and of the almanac itself, for that matter. Right. Robert B. Thomas was a farmer first and foremost, and he was growing food and he was raising animals and became very interested in nature and its cycles. And it was just a perfect fit for him to kind of figure out a way that uh, would benefit him and any other farmers in his area. So, uh, as we mentioned, a cold and snowy winter for much of the country, including Ohio and Northwest Ohio specifically. Uh, what is it that uh, leads you to make that forecast? I mean, like you said, there are, there are trends, there are all kinds of things that go into this. So, what is it that is influencing the forecast for this winter that uh, leads you to make that conclusion? Well, I can tell you for sure that... Um the World Meteorological Organization declared in early July that there's El Nino conditions we're building. So that's a big change. For the past three winters, we've had a La Nina. So broadly speaking, that just means um, when there's a El Nino winter, that means snowier and colder than normal. So that's one of the things uh, that we've been able to, you know, when I say using extra information based on what we already had, mm -hmm. that's one of those elements that helps us to figure out what's going to happen. So, how specific can you get uh, on these uh, forecasts? When we say cold and snowy generally, I mean, how cold, how much snow, or is that something that, that you really can't know for sure? Well, we can't know that for sure, but we give averages for every month. So, if you wanted to know in January, we're saying that temperatures over that entire month are going to be about two degrees below normal. So, that's not 
significantly lower, but it's colder than normal. So that's what we would call cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would tell you that precipitation is going to be about an inch above normal. So we can't tell you how much there's going to be, but it's going to be above what you would normally get in January. Okay. So, so we're not talking about uh, feet and feet of uh, snow and week after week of sub-zero temperatures or anything like that. No, it's just going to be cold and snowy, which okay. is what we have not been used to in the past few years. And it's just kind of going to get back to the way it was years and years ago. Yeah, that is a good point. Certainly, we can all remember uh, some of those uh, winters of years past. And and again, we were talking about uh, a white Christmas. No way to really know specifically what's going to happen right around Christmas time. No, but if I look at the forecast for um December of this year, because next year we don't go out to 2024, but December for this year, it says there's going to be some snow right around the 25th, so you could count on probably having a white Christmas. Okay, well, there we go. Uh, And, uh, of course, with the Almanac, there's lots more than just the forecasts in the Old Farmer's Almanac. What are some of uh, your favorite features and content, aside from the weather stuff that we all uh, enjoy talking about? Oh, one of my favorite sections is always the food section because I have to say I'm biased. I'm the food editor. So <laughs> we've got uh, an article this year about the history of pancakes and a race that's been going on for decades in the UK that's quite uh, funny and they take it very seriously. And then we've always got a recipe contest every year. We ask people to send in their best recipes and we publish the winners. Uh, and I encourage everyone, you've got to try the ginger salmon and the Thai ginger meatball salad. They're mm. wonderful. Okay. Uh, so a lot of really cool stuff. It is a terrific uh, year-long desk reference for the weather and for everything else that you find. Uh, again, the 2024 Old Farmer's Almanac is out now, right? And, and you can also learn more at the website. Absolutely. If you visit us at almanac.com, you can learn a whole lot more about what we do, um, predictions for the next two months in your area for your weather. You can go to our store and buy an almanac there, or if you can't find it there, you can always go to Amazon. Or if you like to shop local, like we like to encourage people, it's available at your local bookstore, at the grocery store, at the garden center, uh, anywhere books and magazines are sold. Again, Sarah Peralt is senior editor of the Old Farmer's Almanac, talking about the forecast for the upcoming winter season of 23-24. And Sarah, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. That was my pleasure. Have a great winter. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the website at goodmornings.net. No podcast on Monday for Labor Day, of course. We're back on Tuesday, and educators have long been challenged to find ways of integrating evolving technology in the classroom, but never have they been faced with something that has as much potential disruptive impact as artificial intelligence. So until Tuesday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great holiday weekend. We'll catch you back here on Tuesday.